So we've been driving for about 13 or 14 hours today. We're in Columbia, Missouri, which is, I don't know, it's a 12-hour drive. So we'll say a little over 1,000, no, a little under 1,000 miles. Um, with two kids, but they're doing great. We just had to get moving a little bit. But man, the debate is still out there. What is harder on your body? Is it harder to run for 15 hours or drive for 15 hours? Hey, welcome to Becoming Ultra. It's Scott Jones, your host. And uh, I played a little clip from uh, yesterday's one stop. A, I found out that um, recording a podcast is virtually impossible if you're on the road all day with with two young children, even though I have great setup for for uh, mics in the field, every time we stopped, we had to take care and play play around with the little guys. So um, we'll call today the fifth and the fourth day away from my first 100K. And if the debate was out there, if it was still open, it is now closed. Riding in a car for long periods of time is got to be tougher, man, than running. I woke up, my lower back is knotted up, my hips are tight, my my upper back is tight, um, which is one of the reasons why I'm getting back home or back to West Virginia a few days before the run so that I can basically work out all the kinks and loosen up. Um, maybe that's maybe that's a good advice for anybody else doing their first ultra. If you're going to run or if you're going to drive to the place and it's kind of far away, you got to give yourself two or three days to, to loosen up. Flying, of course, is the option of choice, but I wanted to see some grandparents and some family members, so they're on the way. So I opted to drive this time um yeah so the drive today we have about seven hours you know yesterday we spent about nine hours just driving in a straight line through kansas nothing special i usually tell laura my wife that i'll see her later and throw my headphones in and listen to podcasts for about five hours at a time so the boys are old enough now where they're they're pretty much taking care of themselves she doesn't have to turn around every two seconds and give them a bottle or anything like that um Looking forward to get to my to my grandparents' place. We'll be going through. Well, we're on East St. Louis right now. We'll be going through uh, Louisville, um, Kentucky, which is a really cool town. We usually stop there for. There's a big big play open field area right by the river, so we might stop there for the little stretch out. We'll be going through Lexington, Kentucky, uh, as well, the horse capital of the world, I think. Um, and then we get into West Virginia. So seven hours will probably seem pretty quick compared to yesterday, which was about 14 hours. Um, Looking forward to get to my grandparents. They live in a little town called Hurricane. It's spelled like Hurricane, but for some reason, everybody pronounces it Hurricane. And uh, my grandparents moved to this house, oh, back in like 2000 or so. And before pre- previous to that, they used to live in this big uh, piece of land, about 180 acres, in a town called Buffalo, West, West Virginia. And every summer, I would go up there. And we called it the farm. Even though my fa- my grandfather was the first person in his family to go to college, he was one of nine, well, technically eleven kids. Two died really young, and uh, he was the first one to go to college. He was a he was a mechanical engineer, and and uh, he did pretty well for himself. But he always wanted to kind of live, um, in a in a way that uh, he did as a child, but without being so darn poor. So. So he was able to do that for for quite a while. I was out out in the sticks a little bit. My my grandmother at a certain point, I guess right around 2000, was getting sick of um, the lack of social life, to say the least. She had a lot of friends in town, so they moved. My 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 grandfather begrudgingly moved um, himself, my grandmother, to Hurricane. They found this house on Main Street, kind of old 
old school small town America. Um, and he's made that they've made that their home since then. They sold their that farm when they left. They didn't keep any part of the property, and uh, to this day he refers to it as the four letter word because um, <laughs> he's kind of. I think he's just kind of sad. It was just a beautiful property. They had open meadows and forested land and hills on one side and a river on on one side of the the property. They had ponds and creeks and you know a garden the size of a football field. <clears throat> a couple barns. It was just a fun place. It was a really fun place for me to grow up in the summers and hang out for a while. Um, and it actually set the stage for for um, a moment in my dad's life, which he talked about over on Athlete on Fire on the, on the podcast. But I'll share it with you guys again because it's worth repeating. It's something that I've heard a million times in my life. He's given it to – he's talked about it often in his life. Um but yeah, I'd lo- I think for runners, you guys will get it for sure. So he was, my dad was going through his rounds of chemo back in 80 or 81. I always get the dates wrong. Um, you know, he'd been given three months to live from the doctors. They'd opened him up and, and manually re- removed as much of the cancer that he had as possible. And uh, <coughs> he uh, he's going through chemo and just struggling. I mean, he, my dad was a really good athlete. He played football at at a, at a big university, and he's always a really good, active guy, and just a really good athlete across the board. So he knew what it meant. He knew what it felt like to push, but uh, nothing like the chemo of the early '80s. Like that chemo, the strain that they used back then, was just brutal. It's not like it is today, um, and it's still pretty rough today. Um, anyway, going through the chemo week, um, actually just gotten done with a round. And they were out hanging out at uh, the farm, my grandfather's place, and it was just my dad, and my grandfather. My grandfather's an engineer. He's uh, he's hila- he's an, he's a hilarious guy, but he's he's quiet if you first meet him. He doesn't say a lot. He doesn't talk unless there's uh, th- there's meaning behind it for the most part. And I guess the way the story goes, is my dad was there and he was scared and he was worried, and he asked my grandfather if he thought he'd if he thought he'd live through this thing or if he thought he'd make it. And my grandfather, of course, just said yes. <laughs> and uh, my dad said, "Well, why?" And he said, "Well, you never, you never give up." He said, "You never, you've never quit in anything before, so I don't expect you to now." Um, and I, you know, I think it was more succinct than that, even. But, but I, I love that story because, for for athletes, whether recreational, like like most of us, um, at, especially at this point in our life, or highly competitive athletes. Um, you know, I've worked with a lot of uh, elite athletes and professionals. That concept um, spans spans the the board. It, it crosses um, generationally, it crosses levels of athletic of athletic ability, and it can be for a training run for any of you who are who are listening to this, who are having some troubles, and it can be for competition for the highest level. But the idea that giving up is not really an option um is pretty cool especially when it comes to life or death so that's one of those memories that i will keep with me the whole time on this run coming up and i told you guys i was going to share a few of the mental things that that was going to do there's tons of west virginia we'll be talking about west virginia a lot tomorrow um but one of the mental things for me especially since i'm doing this in, mem- in memory of my dad is just the things that he went through positively and negatively. And uh, I'm going to write down um, 
probably no more than 10 things that happened in my life um, or happened in his life. And I'm going to give them to my buddy Jeremy and I'm going to say, hey, anytime we're having a hard time, just pop one of these out. And, uh, you know, I'll share a story about it while we're running or hiking through the woods or I'll just internalize it. And uh, so that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to have – so Jeremy, which I haven't talked about a lot, his dad actually is an organ recipient. So he went through a lot of stuff my family is going through. My dad needed a kidney. But his, his dad actually got his lung, which is really cool. Um, so Jeremy has a lot of the same – perspective on you know what it's like to almost lose your dad and and all that stuff so we've been talking about this concept of grateful suffering um the whole summer <laughs> and jeremy kind of coined it and so we've been using it on some of our social media stuff but just being grateful to have the ability to to feel that pain and i talk about this all the time with with athletes like we are in a really weird place in our in our culture in our society in the in the history of our world where we have to actually seek out painful endeavor because we are so freaking comfortable and uh embracing that pain and 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 suffering the grateful suffering is going to be something else i do so one would be writing down the 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 things that um the memories that i want to remember about my dad so i don't go into a dark place and, and, and lose perspective when I'm, when I'm hurting a little bit. Number two is just, I know me and Jeremy will be diving back into the grateful suffering concept and thinking of ways to make what we're doing that feels really hard, um, feel better. And one thing we'll do is we'll sit down and, and remind each other before we go out there, uh, of these, of these kind of tactics that we're going to use to, to get through the negative parts because it's not a race and because it's not so formal, we're going to stay together the whole time. I mean, we kind of have to for safety because it gets pretty desolate in some of the parts of this of this trail. Um, so the setup's a little different. I'm sure a lot of you guys run with, with buddies too. Uh, but the fact that I can't leave him and he can't leave me is going to be cool and it's going to allow us to kind of game plan a little bit more on the mental side of things. Um, the third thing I'm going to do, I'm, you know, my family's going to be my crew. So my dad's brother, my mom, my aunt, uh, my sister and wife, I'm going to give them a few things to say to me. Um, I'm not going to disclose this right now because they'll probably be a little rough, but, but, uh, after the race, I'll let you guys know what I had them, them tell me. Um, but I know that'll help. I know for, for any, for any basic crew, that's, that's standard operating procedure, giving them a handful of things to say. I know Ricky Harrow, our friend, uh, was doing Nolan's 14 a couple weeks ago and he gave his buddies like a list of like 15 things of what he might look like, what he might act like, and what they should say in those in those circumstances. So we'll definitely be doing that um, for this event. And then one other thing, this is a very unique event. I, I created a route that goes by all these meaningful places. And for me, just reflecting for, for long periods of time during the run uh, about memories in these certain places is going to be, I think, a, a really powerful tool to take me out of my body a little bit to not be feeling uh, the discomfort that I might feel, you know, mile 50, 55 when we're climbing up this big mountain and just dive into these stories really, really deep um, from a visualization standpoint and from a, you know, remembering standpoint. So all those things are, are the mental things that we're going to do. And uh, we're going to keep it really positive. Of course, uh, Christy Burns, who just came in third for Leadville, the level 100, spoke up at the trail camp. And... Uh, Keeping it positive was just one of her biggest. She she actually is a counselor, and she's talking about the psychology of of keeping positive. Um, just keeping everything positive. Your self talk, your mantras, uh, your facial expressions as often as you can. And and 
I haven't really, for difficult endurance things, I've never really had a hard hard time keeping it positive. So it'll be interesting to see the longest run that I've done today if, if I have a hard time. Um, Jeremy's the same way. Like every once in a while we'll get quiet and kind of introspective when we're running together. But I think this will be a good test to see if we can we can do it for the whole day. Anyway, those are some things that I'm going to use. Uh, you guys know it's 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 a unique event, if you will. Um, I'm excited to see if if uh, planning these things makes sense and and when we get out there. Uh, the last thing I guess that would be mental is more of a logistic thing, but breaking up the event and in small chunks we'll be doing that besides the first 12 miles everything else is, is just small chunks so i'm probably gonna break it into 12 five milers in my head and, and logistically and uh you know it's always easier to, to to run when you're running five miles instead of 62 right off the bat um that that's 101 for athletes as well but that's what we're going to do so I'm going to go uh, grab some crappy coffee at the hotel and uh, hopefully they have something to eat and and grab the boys and we're going to hop hop in the car and drive seven hours to West Virginia. And we only have about four days until this 100K. So thank you guys for following along. And if you have any ideas, actually if you have any good ideas on how to be mentally tough or how to plan for being mentally tough besides the obvious ones that I mentioned, I'd love to hear hear from you guys. You can always email me. It's contact at becomingultra.com. Thanks a lot.